0: For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets Podcast.
1: Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was gonna knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy <laughs> with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before.
2: You should have taken a charge
1: on him though. <thing>. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you can browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com, reserve products online, and pick them up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. Thursday edition of the program, Nuggets took down the Spurs last night, 113, 85, A blowout win for Denver. It really felt like their first big blowout win in quite a while, especially at Pepsi Center. But Denver really needed this one. There were a lot of storylines going into this game, Christian. I don't think any of them were more prevalent, more magnified than Denver's struggles from beyond the arc in the three-point shooting territory. How concerned were you heading into this game about Denver's three-point shooting and How big of an issue it's been over these last couple of weeks?
2: Um, Overall, not very concerned, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm judging a lot of these guys by, you know, their bodies of work over years. And look, I know Gary Harris is just shooting the ball average right now for him, but Gary Harris shot at 42% two years ago and 38% last year. I know Gary Harris is a good shooter. There's enough tape to tell me that. Malik Beasley, I mean, I'm a huge believer in his stroke. It didn't bother me at all that he had a couple down games. Monte Morris, uh, you know, wasn't worried that he had a couple down games. So I wasn't overly concerned. Um, and you could, you got a good feeling before the game. Michael Malone seemed like he was in a pretty good mood before this one, especially, you know, considering that his team had lost four of six games. He did say that he's never been part of a team that's had this many players struggling to make shots at once. So, you know, I, I think this was just a random rough patch that uh, a lot of teams go through.
1: And thankfully, it looks like the drought's over. Denver went through an almost similar rough patch like this last year. It was right when Mike Malone cut down the rotation. And you guys, I have been listening to this show for the last couple of weeks. I spoke about this right when Mike Malone trimmed down the rotation, you know, two, three weeks ago. I referenced last season how Denver's guys got really tired with a short rotation and all of a sudden they just could not hit anything from three-point range. I don't think that's exactly what happened this time around because, you know, the Nuggets... Like, they trimmed down their rotation, but they weren't giving Jokic and Millsap like 36, 37 minutes a night. They weren't playing Jamal Murray and Gary Harris heavy, heavy minutes. I don't think that was what was contributing to the shooting slump, but they have gone through something like this before. The noise around the team heading into this game was unbelievable. I thought, yeah, the Nuggets hadn't played great, but I mean, they were just coming off a loss against Golden State. I think we forget a lot that It's the freaking Warriors, and I don't know why so many people expected the Nuggets to win that game. I thought they'd be competitive. I didn't think they'd win by any means, and if we know one thing about when those two teams play— Based on how every matchup has gone this season, the Warriors are going to take the Nuggets seriously, which I think is a feather in the Nuggets cap. I it's think a compliment. It's, right. I think it's probably a good thing that the Warriors take the Nuggets seriously. It shows that they respect them. But I felt like there was a bit of a weight lifted off the Nuggets back after this one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It'd been a while since you saw everybody in the locker room after a game in a good mood. And there were even a couple wins in, in recent weeks where everybody was kill, feeling kind of down afterwards. The Nuggets got up pretty big against Indiana. They got up pretty big against Detroit, and they barely eked those wins out. Right. It was really encouraging to see the Nuggets get up big early and then maintain a lead. It's been a while since they've done that.
1: Right. They got up big in the first half, and I felt like they had this game pretty much in hand, and you know, Greg Popovich probably thought the same thing. It it's, might be why he decided to... Uh, hit the showers a bit early last night. We'll talk about that in a second. But I had it in the back of my mind a little bit based on how that game against Detroit had gone a couple of weeks back, how that last home game against the Wizards went. Maybe the Nuggets would blow this one in the second half. And you know, if they had blown this game after being up by uh, what they were in the first half, that would not have been good. And I think the narratives around this team that had been building over the last couple of weeks would have gained some more legs. But It was a good step for Denver to put away the Spurs. I want to get back to the three-point shooting, though. 36.5% from three. It's not Denver's greatest three-point shooting night by any means. It's not their worst, but this 36.4%, I mean, this could have been 50%. Like, that's how badly Denver needed to shoot just a respectable percentage from three-point land. Do you think this is going to lead to more positive three-point shooting nights in the future? Do you think the Nuggets just needed to see some balls go through the net uh, th- this time around? Or do you think they could be right back in the uh, slump they found themselves in before this game, you know, going forward against Portland on Friday?
2: I would expect them to look more like themselves over the- these last four games. Yeah. And I believe the magic number to clinch home court is one. So once Denver does that, if and when, I think they're going to start to rest some players. So things might look funky. But, you know, I, I think a significant reason for why they weren't playing so great the last, you know, 6, 10, 12 games or whatever. They had, they had a playoff spot locked up. Um, and I just think it's really hard to stay motivated when, you know, it's late March, early April, and you're not playing for that much.
1: Well, especially, and I've talked about this, this team, what's been drilled into their head over the last couple years. Oh, you've got to make the playoffs. This is the year. If Michael Malone doesn't make the playoffs this year, who knows what's going to happen to him? If this group of guys doesn't make the playoffs this year, there are going to have to be some major changes. That's been drilled into these guys' heads for the last two years, and it's been the same team last year to this year. They finally got there. They finally got that playoff berth that's been sitting on this pedestal for the last 24 months. They can breathe a big sigh of relief. Okay, we got the playoff berth. Now we want to see what the postseason is all about. That's the vibe I've gotten from this team over the last couple of weeks. They're over the regular season. And yeah, you can say, yeah, they haven't achieved anything. This is their first time in the playoffs. They haven't earned anything. They've got to finish this thing out strong. But for any team at this point in the year, you're looking ahead to the playoffs, especially with this team, they're looking ahead to the playoffs just based on the narrative and the tone that's been around this group for the last two years.
2: No, well, I mean winning fifty plus games is a significant achievement for this group. So, I, honestly, I think it's only natural that they left their their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. You know, once they approached and got to that mark, it, it's just human nature. I mean, you, you can't be sharp for eighty two games. That's just so many games. It's probably too many. I would I would probably have seventy two if I, if I was in charge of it or seventy or something like that. But yeah, I was I was never that worried, man. And it was it was strange to see you know. A lot of fans on Twitter just going into meltdown mode after the loss to Golden State. Right, I know it's I know it's not fun to just get housed, but have some perspective. It's the greatest collection of, of talent ever assembled. or one of them. Mm-hmm. Like they have five All Stars
1: in their starting lineup. What are you going to do? Right. And I I know I just said this, but how do you know the Warriors respect the Nuggets? Like, they come out and they try to put the hammer down on Denver. You know they don't respect the team like Dallas, who they just let come into Oracle and win by 30.
2: Yeah, it'd be different if, you know, the Nuggets' main guys were in their prime years. But these guys are 22, 23, 24, and, and 25. Like, you know, give them some credit. Have a little patience.
1: The freak out on Twitter, I mean, I think it just speaks to how expectations have shifted this season. And if the Nuggets were on a track that most of us had pegged them at to win 47, 48, 49, 50 this year. And typically if you were going to win 50 in a year, maybe you're fourth in the West, not second and not first for a lot of the year as well. And, look, Denver's probably going to wind up with 54 wins or, or maybe 55 wins. Probably, I'd I guess 54. Maybe they win two of these last four games, maybe three. Um, so, usually, you no, know, it's probably going to be like a third seed, and, yeah, they're probably going to be the two seed in the West. But not a lot of people had them this high in the conference before the season. And just expectations have been changed from the fan base, and that's going to happen. It's a natural thing that's going to happen. So, when – there are these high-profile losses, you're going to have some people freaking out more than they should. I think it's just pretty natural. Um, 41 assists for the Nuggets in this game, a season high. The second most assists a team in the NBA has handed out this season. Why so many assists? I mean, obviously, the three-pointers helped. The fact that they made 12 threes helped. The fact that they shot 54% from the field helped. Did you see anything... Different in terms of how the Nuggets were moving the ball, how they were operating on offense in this one compared to these last couple of games?
2: Well, they started off the Golden State game pretty well, if you remember. I mean, it didn't get ugly until like the second quarter in that one, but they're able to ma- maintain some of that. And I mean, they just looked really crisp on the offensive end. And I think, too, when, when you just hit a couple outside shots, it just makes the defense guard you differently. It's like in football. Um, you know, the equivalent of hitting threes in basketball is like having a, a burner receiver in football who can take the top off the defense, I believe is a phrase because if they're worried <laughs> yeah, it,
1: that's the phrase.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, I cover the nuggets, <laughs> not the Broncos, but, uh, I mean, when you have a guy with like, they can beat you down the field, the defense is worried about the threat of that. And like, they're, they're giving you a little more cushion and that makes everything easier in like the short and intermediate zones. It's kind of the same way in basketball. Like, once you hit a couple threes, they're worried about that threat, and that gives you more space to drive to the basket and for your cuts and everything else. It just
1: opens everything up. Yeah. Michael Mullen also said before the game that he was happy with the shots that Denver had been generating over the last couple of games, and they just hadn't been going in. Like, the Nuggets shot six of 29 on wide open threes in that home loss to the Wizards, and then they shot two of 13. Uh, on shots of that same variety in that narrow home win over the Pistons a couple weeks back. So they had been generating open looks. They just hadn't been making them. And then Michael Malone said before the game that he wanted to see his guys attack a little bit more if those shots weren't falling and not settle as much for just three-pointers if everybody's ice cold from beyond the arc. I thought Denver did a good job of that. Felt like they attacked the rim more in this one. I felt like they just... Kind of were more willing to take those tougher shots around the rim and drive into the teeth of the defense. They didn't do a great job getting to the line, and that's something this team doesn't do really well, and something I'd like to see them do more get to the free throw line more, draw more fouls uh, inside and i know people are probably going to say oh nikola jokic doesn't get a fair whistle i'm not talking about jokic i'm mainly talking about denver's guards here i'd like to see them penetrate more and get to the free throw line more i mean only 12 free throws for denver in this one but generally speaking i thought they did a better job not settling for three pointers as much as they had over the last couple of weeks
2: yeah and and you know the one guy who I've really been kind of, I guess, disappointed in that he's not going to the rack like we're accustomed to seeing it is Gary Harris. And Mm -hmm. maybe some of that has to do with the guy has dealt with so many injuries this year. So he doesn't have that, that same confidence or or quite that same explosion, but yeah. It's also
1: probably natural too, when you're injured, you don't want to draw as much contact or when you've been injured before, you're naturally not going to want to draw as much contact.
2: Yeah. Um, so It was good to see Gary have a a pretty decent game. I mean, there were still some shots I I felt like he could have finished inside, ones that, you know, I'm used to seeing him make. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest X factors come playoff time for me, honestly. Are are we going to get Gary Harris, who's, you know, not been up to to par really this season? A lot of that due to injury, we're going to get the guy we
1: saw the two seasons before this. Right. That's a big X factor. So is Will Barton, who you can probably lump into that same category as guys who just have not been the same player they were before the injuries. And for Barton, that's going back to last year because he's pretty much been injured this entire season. It's been unfortunate. But when you have an injury like that, it's tough to come back. And I think slowly both those guys will round into form. Unfortunately, there's not that much time here. Uh, until the playoffs. And like you said, once they lock in this top four seed, they're probably going to look to rest guys, or at least that's what we can take away from well, how Mike and Malone has approached that topic when speaking with with us over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, those guys haven't really found a rhythm. So I guess we'll see if they can flip that switch in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. I'm really rooting for them to, to lock up home court fast. You know why? Uh, why is that? So much Jared Vanderbilt is going to be in my life.
1: (laughs) He made a sweet pass uh, on the break again last night. That's the the best part about Nuggets garbage time. Jared Vanderbilt minutes. It's the best part about Denver blowing teams out or getting blown out. Couple just like crazy passes in transition. That one bounce
2: past Malik Beasley. And the one last night was Malik Beasley too. He just whipped it. He didn't bounce it. But yeah, that was sexy.
1: Yeah, Jared Vanderbilt oozing with potential. Did you see what John Calipari had to say about him on Twitter? I uh, shouted out of him for his birthday. what do he say? It was just like incredibly special skill set. Nobody really knows what he's capable of yet. Facts. All right, let's hit a break real quick. A lot more I want to get to on today's show. I want to touch on Nikola Jokic's night, kind of how, how he was playing and whatnot. Also Denver getting back to having some fun out there. We haven't seen this team play with that joy that they always play with when they're winning and, they haven't seemed to be having a lot of fun over the last couple of weeks, but they definitely were having that fun against the Spurs. Also, Greg Popovich and Michael Malone. I feel like you could make a buddy-buddy uh, TV sitcom with those two. We'll talk about what happened at the end of the night with those guys. We'll be right back.
0: Hyper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years.
2: ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have Preferred people to Piper and Piper to them.
0: From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs.
2: They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with the circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting, so really they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs.
0: If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303 646 Five or go to PiperElectric.com. Welcome
1: back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit their website, MyGreensolution.com. Plug in promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, Thursday edition of the show. The Nuggets 113-85 over the San Antonio Spurs last night at Pepsi Center. A much needed win, a much needed blowout win over a potential first-round playoff opponent for Denver. We'll talk about that in a second. Nicole Jokic goes 9-10 from the field, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. The only shot he missed on the evening was a three-quarter court heave as time expired in the second quarter. Did he dominate this game as much as his stat line indicated he did? I think so. I mean, this felt almost
2: Phoenix Suns-esque to me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he nearly had a a perfect triple-double, missed out um, by one assist there on the triple-double. He could have got it if they'd left him in during garbage time. That would have been number 13. By the way, he's had 12 triple-doubles and 11 dunks for the year, which reminded me that you never bought me that six-pack last year. Mm.
1: When is that coming my way? Well, it might show up on your doorstep any day, courtesy of Total Beverage. Okay. Who now delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area. Promo code BSN10 can get you $10 off a $50 order.
2: Alannister <laughs> always pays his debts. A wind waits one year and then uses total beverage to pay his. But yeah, I mean, Nicole Jokic was fantastic, deserving of all the praise. And there was a lot of it that Pop lavished on him before the game.
1: Let's hear what Greg Popovich had to say. You probably heard what Pop did after the game. Here's what he had to say about Nicole Jokic before the game. Well, um, more than anything, uh, he he makes me smile. Uh, he has a lot of fun out there. And he's unorthodox. He doesn't look the part. I've said it before, he looks like a kind of a tall pudge kind of guy out there with uh, no real muscle definition, so to speak. He doesn't look athletic. He doesn't sprint up and down
0: the court. He doesn't jump out of the gym. Uh, and then he kicks your butt because he's so skilled, uh, he's clever, uh, he is totally unselfish, and you combine all that, and it's just what a great guy to play with. And on top of everything, uh, he
2: finds people. And when people receive passes, they're happy. Uh, and he delivers
1: very often. Christian, how many coaches other than Michael Malone are bigger fans of Nicole Jokic than Greg Popovich? There can't be any, right?
2: There's just a love affair in general between the Spurs and Nuggets. Uh, Michael Malone, oh, sorry, Mikey. Actually, Ma- I don't Mikey think I'm allowed Malone. to call yeah, yeah, I'm not allowed to say that. Michael Malone <laughs> and Greg Popovich love <laughs> each other. Pop, you know, I think understands Jokic for exactly what he is. It says something that the greatest coach in the game and and potentially the greatest coach in the history of the NBA is so high on Jokic. Um, I don't know, maybe him or David Fisdale. David Fisdale called him like seven foot two Magic Johnson earlier
1: this year. Mm -hmm. That was a line. We were talking about this before the game. Would there ever be a scenario out there where Greg Popovich could coach Nikola Jokic? Serbia national team was the only one I could come up with. That would be
2: such a great, like, late career move for Pop. Mm. Just, I mean, I don't know if if Serbia would be down for that, but just imagine him, a team with Boban. Boban used to play for him, by the way. Nikola Jokic, Milos Teodosic, um, Bogdanovic. That'd be a hell of a squad.
1: I could see that as a potential career move for Pop.
2: I think Pop's roots are uh, from the former Yugoslavia, too.
1: Right. He just goes over to Europe after he's done retiring, drink as much wine as he wants, just watch basketball all day, coach the serbia national team during the summers that doesn't seem to be like the worst post retirement plan for greg popovich
2: that would be unreal. Let's start a let's start a petition right now.
1: Anyways, like you were saying, seems to be a bit of a, a mutual admiration society whenever the Spurs and Nuggets hook up. We've spoken about how a lot of Denver's offensive principles come from the school of the Spurs, the, the Greg Popovich offensive philosophy, the San Antonio system. And there's a lot of similarities between these two clubs just in terms of how they play, the unselfishness that's ingrained deep within both teams. Nikola Jokic, we've spoken how he could be the Tim Duncan of the Denver Nuggets, be the one superstar who gets drafted there and really stays there throughout his entire career and just kind of helps mold the organizational culture around him. There's a lot more similarities than you would think.
2: And I think Greg Popovich and Michael Malone are are similar in that both really light into players. Like They coach players hard, but at the same time, They're able to maintain really positive relationships with all of their players because I think their players know that on a personal level,
1: they really care about them. Uh, Michael Malone has that gift in the way that Greg Popovich does. Well, you can tell Malone's taken that right out of Popovich's playbook. And something else he's taken out of Popovich's playbook is just being real and genuine with his players. That's something Michael Malone has done since he got here, that's something Greg Popovich has done throughout his career. He's not about the bullshit with his guys. He's always going to give it to him straight. He's always going to tell him how it is. If he's got to take a guy out of the rotation, he's going to chat with him off to the side. He's not going to swing that on him right before a game. He's not going to drop that on a guy, you know, five minutes before they go out for warmups. Guys know that's coming you know, when there's a big rotation changer or something of that order. I think he's taking that right from Greg Popovich. So it's been interesting to see these Parallels uh, between these two teams over the last couple of years, really, since Michael Mullen has kind of grown into this role here. It seemed like the Nuggets got back to playing with some joy last night. Obviously, Nicole Jokic had a great game, and Denver's always going to have more fun out there and play with that joy that they've played with when they're winning basketball games when it's around Jokic and when he's really uh, the center of that. But this team just hadn't had a lot of fun over the last couple of weeks. But they had that spirit to them last night. It seems.
2: Yeah, they they did seem like they were having a great time out there. Here's here's my thing when it comes to like the joy question. Do the Nuggets play a, a joyful brand of basketball? Because. That's a, a product of just Nicole Jokic being a great passer and, and everybody else playing unselfish selfish basketball, or, or do they play that way because they're joyful? It's like kind of a chicken and egg thing to me. I mean, I, I think we say, like, yeah, they, they played with a lot of joy last night, so they played well, but really, I, I think it's they played well, so it looked like they're really happy out there.
1: And just the style they play breeds that as well. I mean, the Rockets win a lot of games, but I wouldn't say they play with joy you know? Joy isn't James Harden dribbling at the top of the circle for an entire possession and then shooting a step back three. It's effective. He's a great player. They win a lot of games behind that, but I wouldn't describe that as joy. You know, the Nuggets play with joy.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I guess I'm just saying to me, it seemed like they're
1: just happy because some shots finally freaking went down. Sure. (laughs) But also the way they played last night, I mean, they played a style of basketball last night that was different from how they played against the Washington Wizards. And yeah, you're right. It helps when shots go down. But, you know, even to start the game, they shot like 2 of 7 from 3 to open things up. Uh, so, I agree. It's kind of a chicken in the egg type thing. But um the Nuggets' style of basketball generally speaking, I think it kind of breeds joy. It breeds fun. And that to me is going to partly determine how far Denver goes in the playoffs. If they're able to have that spirit to them in the first round, if they're able to play and kind of show their identity in a first-round playoff series, that, to me, could determine if they're able to win that series. You know, if they can play with joy, if they can have fun out there, if they can play their brand of basketball in the first round, they're probably going to win that series. If they can't, you know, maybe they lose.
2: Uh, I think definitely a key for them in the first round is, is not getting too tight. They were really relaxed before the game, even though they, they were in kind of a recent rough patch. And I had a good feeling going into that after hearing Michael Boulin speak and Nicole Jokic like goofing around in the hallway before the game. They they just seemed really loose to me. Um, another thing, whenever Monte Morris and League Beasley have it going, like the Nuggets are just so tough. And it's yeah. been a while since, since both of those guys really got hot and, and both were on last night. I mean, the Nuggets are are just so freaking tough when Monte and
1: Malik are on their games, and they're both awesome last night. Well, when they're on their games, the Nuggets have arguably the best bench in the league. When they're not, they have a pretty average bench. Now, Monte goes for 19 points last night. His highest scoring total since January 30th, so two plus months. Same with Malik. He hadn't scored this many points in quite a while. He goes for 19 points, hit a couple threes as well which was good to see for sure. Those guys are going to be important in the playoffs, no doubt.
2: Yeah, do you think Drew Eubanks is alive after Malik dunked him through the hoop
1: during garbage time? I don't even know who Drew Eubanks is. Well, he's the guy they're going to be having a funeral for uh, tomorrow, I think. That poster will look pretty good on uh, Makai Beasley's wall. (laughs) Malik Beasley's son. Congrats to, to those two. Yeah,
2: Malik probably went home and showed him a YouTube video.
1: Yeah, Drew Eubanks, 12 minutes last night. If the Spurs can make him into an NBA player, I might just convert to the church of Popovich.
2: I already converted. I mean, Bryn Forbes turning into a A starter. Dude, Bryn Forbes is like a solid NBA player, and that's the most freaking Spurs thing ever.
1: Would he be a solid NBA player on 29 other teams, though? Honestly, he might be good Maybe 28, because I bet you he'd be good on the Nuggets. That's what I, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 28. Let me ask you this question. Did this win over the Spurs make you think at all, hey, I wouldn't be too worried about a first round matchup against San Antonio?
2: My opinion didn't change at all. I okay. mean, my conspiracy theory is Greg Popovich got, didn't really care about getting thrown out a minute into this game because he's like, you know what? There's a pretty good chance we play these guys in the first round and I don't want to show any cards at all. Interesting. I mean, last night, let's be real. Last night was like a D effort from the Spurs. I don't think that meant anything.
1: And last night was also one of those games. Uh, Baxter Holmes puts this together for ESPN. I don't know if this is one of them, but this was probably one of those like red alert games for the Spurs on a back-to-back in Denver. They played a lot of games recently. Back-to-backs in Denver are tough. I think this was going to be a really tough game for the Spurs to win anyway. Just, you know, after Denver gets shellacked by Golden State and is coming back home where they've been nearly unbeatable this year. And so the cards were really stacked against San Antonio. The thing about the Spurs, though, and why I think it's not the worst playoff matchup, like it's a much easier playoff matchup, in my opinion, than a Utah. The Spurs just don't have a ton of talent, you know? And San Antonio teams... They always overachieve a bit. They're never the most talented teams in the league because the coaching and just schematically, they always just run their stuff. Just looking at this roster, though, the Nuggets are just so much more talented than the Spurs from top to bottom.
2: What do you think the Spurs' third best player is?
1: Is it Derek White?
2: I mean, he's certainly in the running.
1: It's probably Derek White or Patty Mills.
2: Yeah, I haven't watched enough Jakob
1: Pertl to know. It's not Jakob Pertl, okay. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> not Jakob Pertl. It might be Bertans. Oh, my son. Bertans is nice, man.
2: Yeah, Nuggets killer, Davis Bertans. Uh, he didn't really pop off last night like we were accustomed to seeing against Denver. But, no, you're you're right. The the Spurs just don't have the horses. Um, I think the Nuggets would, would definitely be favored in that series. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that gives you pause is just the Greg Popovich factor mm-hmm. versus Denver's inexperience.
1: And the San Antonio arena factor. That arena is just intimidating. There's some weird juju going on in that arena, I'm telling you. I don't know if it's the bats or that, uh, what did I call them? A kangaroo running around. Coyote. <laughs> right, but it's really a coyote. You think Texas is just Australia? Is it that foreign to you? I don't know. It looks a lot like a kangaroo. <laughs> uh, there's some weird vibes in that arena. Always. When you go in there, it's scary, but I agree. I think the nuggets would probably be favored in this series. It would be a series they should win. Uh, but then again, like LaMarcus Aldridge didn't really hurt him last night. DeMar DeRozan he was invisible out there. The Spurs starters barely played San Antonio came out in a three, two zone in, I think the second half. First time I've ever seen a team run a three, two zone. Here's another question for you. Is Nikola Jokic the best possible zone buster player you could ever draw up or imagine? Like, exactly the guy you would want to stick at the nail against a 2-3 or a 3-2 zone? Uh, He's he's perfect. (laughs) Great set of hands.
2: He's got a wet mid-range jumper, and he can make any pass and see over the defense. Yeah, he's the ideal player to just throw in the middle.
1: Yeah. But for some reason, the Nuggets just couldn't seem to get the ball to him there even though he was wide open every time down the floor against the zone. I have this belief that a zone should never be able to work in the NBA because these guys are just too good, yet teams throw it out there and it just seems like guys panic.
2: Yeah, I think the ideal big man combo to bust a zone in the NBA is have Jokic at the nail and have a guy like Kenneth Farid just running short corner to short corner, just one of those pure finisher guys.
1: Yeah, like a Jokic-Clint-Capella combo. Yeah. That'd be deadly. Let's hit another break real quick. I wanna talk some more about Craig Popovich and what happened after the game with Michael Malone, a pretty cool post-game moment there. I'm sure you guys have seen it, but I've got some background that I wanna give on those guys' relationship and you know, what has kind of prompted these exchanges over the last couple of years. We'll be right back.
2: The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that that people are taking it are for pain.
0: That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits Arthur and the folks over at Elixinal's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.
1: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com, plug in promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Here's where I wanted to end today, a post-game moment for the ages Typically, Greg Popovich will walk by Michael Malone's post-game scrum and shout a little one-liner, Michael Malone's way or Mikey's way, as we should probably start calling him on this podcast. I don't think he's going to be too big of a fan of that. Uh, I think last year, Michael Malone was like going on one of those epic rants about Nicole Jokic about saying how... He just doesn't get the respect he deserves and how he should be in the MVP conversation. This is at the very end of last year. I think somebody asked him a question about Nicole Jokic being in the all-NBA conversation last year. And Malone just pivoted to how he should be in the MVP discussion at the tail end (laughs) of last season. And then last night, he went a step further, actually got in the middle of the scrum gave Michael Malone a hug. Seemed like he was looking for some questions from us. I feel like we should have lobbed some questions his way, but it seemed like everybody froze up. I mean, where does that post-game moment rank on things you've seen happen post-game at Pepsi Center?
2: Well, I was a little surprised Greg Popovich even hung around because I just assumed that after he got kicked out 63 seconds at the game, he, he went to Tavernetta or some other fine dining establishment in Lodo within walking distance got a nice meal, got a glass of wine, maybe watched the game on TV or something like that. I guess he was still hanging around. And that was a, that was another clue in my conspiracy theory that all of that was pre-planned. Like Greg Popovich just didn't care. He was down to just throw that game. It seemed he like yucking it up after the game. It
1: seemed like he wanted nothing to do with that game. It's really tough to get tossed out 63 seconds into the game. Say what you want about NBA officials – they do not want to throw a coach out 63 seconds into a game. You have to want to be ejected to get tossed that quickly. Yeah. I mean, he got the one
2: and the official kind of turned around like, okay, we're going to give you your one and keep moving.
1: And he walked out to the free throw line. Yeah. (laughs) I agree with you. We were having the same discussion on media Row on the other side of the arena from you. Where is Greg Popovich? sitting right now what restaurant is he dining at right now and is he watching the game and then i think somebody said no he's at too nice of a restaurant to have a game on <laughs> yeah it's nice a, pretty of good a restaurant to have TVs in it
2: yeah there are no, there are no like flat screens in inside a really nice italian place
1: but getting back to the greg popovich mikey malone dynamic those two go back a long ways they go back to 2005 When they met at a Basketball Without Borders camp in Argentina, Michael Malone loves to tell this story. They bonded over several bottles of, I'm sure, some really nice Argentinian wine, and they got to know each other. And later that fall, Greg Popovich helps Michael Malone get an assistant coaching gig with the Cavs under Mike Brown, who came from Greg Popovich's San Antonio coaching tree. So that's how far they go back. Michael Malone says from time and time again, I owe a lot of my coaching career to the opportunities that Greg Popovich gave me when I was a really young assistant coming up the ranks. So those two have a special bond. They go back a long ways. Greg Popovich said before this game that he thinks Michael Malone should be in the running for coach of the year. He called him an obvious candidate. He should be the coach of the year in my book. And I think there's just a really nice mutual admiration and mutual respect between those two.
2: One of the most impressive things about Pop that I think is his ability to adapt because he won in the, in the middle OOS playing a pretty plotting style. The Spurs didn't put up a ton of points. They, they won mostly with their defense with Tim Duncan. And then, you know, almost a decade later, they completely reinvented themselves and they're really playing the beautiful game. I mean, that 2013, or I'm sorry, 2014 finals against the Heat, which they won 4-1, to was one of the most impressive offensive displays I've ever seen since I was watching basketball. Greg Popovich, you know, he's just going to tailor his schemes to his personnel, and I think that's something we've seen from Michael Malone since he came to Denver. I mean, we know Denver tried playing Nurkic and Jokic together. It didn't work out, obviously, and, and Michael Malone has really pivoted, too. I think Michael Malone is more flexible than, you know, maybe he's starting to get credit for that.
1: Right, and something we spend a lot of time talking about, but it goes brushed under the rug and I wrote about this a little when I wrote that big feature on Malone and nicola's relationship is that Michael Malone is still a really young coach in this league, and he got a raw deal in Sacramento, and he comes to Denver, he gets a fresh start he's still a really young coach, but you know when you have in early in your coaching career, when you have a situation like what happened in Sacramento go awry, like as a young head coach, you don't get that many chances to just like start over. I mean, look at a guy like Dave Yeager. He's probably going to get fired from Sacramento soon here, maybe at the end of this season, maybe, you know, at the end of next season, not because he's not a good coach, but just because it's the Sacramento Kings and it seems like that is due for an ugly ending there. Like, is he going to get another shot? It didn't work out for him in Memphis. It didn't work out for him in Sacramento. He's a young head coach, but if you're a franchise, like, I don't know how fast you're jumping at the bit to hire Dave Yeager, who's kind of flamed out in both these locations. When you're a young head coach, it's tough if you don't win right away to get those other opportunities. And Malone comes to Denver He has a a rough first year where they win, what, 30 games? And then he's suddenly tying himself and his success to a second-round pick from Serbia who's about as unconventional as they come and all of a sudden is playing this crazy Jokic brand of basketball where he pretty much has put the ball in in the hands of Nikola Jokic and just kind of let him go to work and just kind of tie himself to a, a guy who had really kind of divided a lot of basketball people over the last couple of years in terms of, oh, his, is his style of play going to be successful in the playoffs or even the regular season and whatnot? And, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But it was pretty risky for Michael Malone to go this route and kind of just tie himself to the hip of Jokic. I mean, obviously, it's been a great decision looking back on it now. But to, to make that call in his second year on the job on December 15th, that took some guts, I think.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember even after that loss to Minnesota in game 82 last year, I remember like a take, like is Nikola Jokic like the big man version of Kevin Martin or something like that from somebody (laughs) with like a falling, I'm not even going to call them out or anything, but there was so much skepticism about Jokic and Kevin
1: Martin, that guy with that ugly ass jumper.
2: Yeah. The, the jumper that pointed out to the wall there,
1: the Lonzo ball jumper before Lonzo ball. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that was the Lonzo Ball prototype for a jumper. But yeah, I mean it was it was kind of that line of thinking. I mean, people didn't a lot of people didn't think Jokic was for real. And this year, I mean, I, I don't know many people left on that island. You have to say Nicole Jokic is for real now. I mean, he's the best player in a team that's gonna win 54, 55 games.
1: Yeah. So I think that was a gutsy call from Michael Moon, obviously the right one, but when you're a young coach it's probably easier. It's probably a bit more settling to just play a traditional brand of basketball and become a defensive team and lean on your principles. And Malone kind of went the opposite when he came here. And it was risky, but hey, it's worked out for him. So Denver now a game and a half up on the Rockets for the two. They are two games up on Portland with two remaining against the Trailblazers. I mean, are you on the train firmly that Denver still is pretty much going to get the two here. Do you think they've kind of wrapped this thing up here, or do you could you still see them fall into the three?
2: Well, they effectively have a half-game lead over the Rockets right. because of the tiebreaker, right? So,
1: I mean, if I had to bet on it right now, I'd probably say the three. So the Nuggets have four games left, a home-and-home home against Portland. That's coming up here this weekend at Utah at home versus Minnesota. I think they go 2-2, two and two, so they get to 54 wins. The Rockets only have three games left. They've got to go 3-0 and to get to 54 wins, which would tie the Nuggets but give Houston uh, the tiebreaker. And Houston's schedule versus the Knicks versus the Suns and then a date with the Thunder in OKC on the final night of the regular season on TNT. That's the only one that's kind of up in the air. So they could easily go 2-1. and one. Now, Houston could go 2-1 and one here over these last three. That would mean they probably get the three. But if they go 3-0, and zero, probably means they jump Denver for the two. And I'll say this, if the Nuggets finish at the three, it might not be the worst thing in the world if you can get the Clippers in round one. So that's what we'll be watching for here.
2: Yeah, and just uh, a couple records that you know to watch for down the stretch here. Um, the second most wins in Nuggets franchise history, 54. It's been done twice. They could tie that. If they go 3-1, and one, they could get to 55 and have the second best record in franchise history since Denver came over to the NBA. I think that would be kind of cool.
1: That would be cool. That would be fitting for this team. I think this team is good enough this season. This regular season is real enough for them to get that record. I think that would be well-deserved. They've got one more game. Their magic number is one to clinch home court advantage in the first round of top four seed. You know, I would think the Nuggets might look to rest, guys, after that game. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens when that time comes. All right, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a second head on over to iTunes, drop us a quick five-star review. We would sincerely appreciate it. And with that, we'll be back with another episode on Friday. Talk to you then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural, it's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your Strava Craft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.